This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person on this podcast and the other person who lives in this home. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. Instead of how are you, this week I'm going to ask you, do you think turtles like jazz music? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I, if you see a turtle, like, just kind of chilling, like, hanging out on a rock, and every once in a while they just stretch their little turtle legs a little bit, and just imagine, like, some nice jazz music going to it, and it's like they're, like, <laughs> bopping to the beat or, like, slowly just doing a little blink. Totally. So you think they have a lot going on there, but they, they're, like, cool and patient with it. Oh, yeah. 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 Do you think uh, turtles would like fast jazz or they really like slow, you know, like methodical jazz? Mm. I, I suspect there's a season for each. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to imagine turtles listening to a jazz album called Seasons. <laughs> <laughs> they like getting in the water and splashing around to the fast stuff. Right. Anyway, uh, we are going to talk about something that we have both been obsessed about in the moment this week. It's actually something that I did do an episode about um, many years ago now uh, with another guest. Uh, but we are going to talk about the Great British British Bake Off or the Great British Baking Show or the Great British Baking Show Off. Uh, whichever <laughs> title you want to use, uh, it is the Bake Off in the UK uh, because uh, Pillsbury has the term Bake Off on legal lockdown here in the US. It is the baking show. Uh, so I, I think really my very first question for you is what should we call this show on our podcast? Oh, that's so funny. I think I've been calling it the Bake Off the entire time without noticing that that's not what it's called. On the screen. <laughs> I think for the most part, like every time that I see people tweet about it, uh, it's often just, you know, GBBO, mm -hmm. uh, which of course is supportive of Bake Off. Uh, it feels right in the spirit to call it Bake Off because that's what the creators called it. And mm -hmm. it is simply the legal tyranny of the Pillsbury Doughboy <laughs> <laughs> slamming his gluttony little fist down and saying, no, I own that. No. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, all right, we will call it the Bake Off and be done with it. Uh, we also like to start the podcast often with caveats. Here's our caveat for this week. Uh, we decided to talk about this uh, from a perspective of sheer joy and not <laughs> a, a perspective of completion. Uh, we have watched the first uh, several seasons that are available on Netflix. I did my Google research, and uh, those are slightly out of order and there are a couple seasons that are not available. Uh, the earliest seasons of the show are not available on Netflix. So we watched uh, like three and a half seasons uh, of the kind of the early to the middle run. We're talking, you know, uh, still Paul Hollywood and Mary Berry mm -hmm. as the judges. And Mel and Sue as the hosts. Enjoying the heck out of them. So we decided let's talk about it. We have not watched all the seasons. We've also watched a few of the uh, holiday specials. So we've seen some of the other judge and some of the other hosts as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's our caveat. We are not coming here as uh, great British bake-off experts. We are coming here as people who are watching a couple of seasons and enjoying the hell out of it and wanting to talk about it. Uh, do you have anything to add to my caveat? No, that was a great caveat. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe I'll just do the podcast called Caveats. and It'll just be a caveat, nothing <laughs> else, and it will be about 46 seconds long, and it'll be great. All right. Here's my next question for you. I'm ready. If aliens landed uh, and they asked you, what is the deal with this Great British Bake Off? We don't even understand the title. How would you explain the show to aliens? Yes. This is going to be fun. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> Myself and the aliens Come along, are my alien friends. <laughs> so, um, so there's a country called... <laughs> <laughs> The United Kingdom, also referred to as Great Britain, which uh, I believe might be wrong, but I believe that means uh, the island, so it does not include Northern Ireland. British gets used to describe the people, so that's where we get British. Um, <laughs> baking is a way that we cook our food, one of the ways, and we like to entertain ourselves with lots of different types of baking, and there's a lot of opinions about how baking should be done, a lot of different uh, cultures and people have different approaches to baking and 
We have this medium called television where we like to film people doing things <laughs> uh, partially as inspiration for those of us at home, partially as um, uh, what's the word like voyeurism, voyeurism. Thank you. Um, partially to maybe we want to be competitive, but we're not competitive in baking. And so this is like our way for us to compete through our television. Yeah. And so that sets it up. And then there's a tent, <laughs> which is not normally where a person bakes, but there is. Just go with it. Don't question the tent. Just accept the Vicarious, tent. is that the word you were looking for? That we vicarious. can live vicariously? Yes. It's a voyeuristic a thing to watch television yeah. by its nature, but uh, you meant uh, vicarious. I did. And I, I give did. you the wrong V word. I'll take I don't want to confuse the too. aliens. That's okay. Perhaps it's voyeuristic for some people to watch a baking show. But we can bake vicariously exactly. through watching the other bakers and exactly. feel as though we are experiencing it. Okay, I'm sorry. You were explaining the tent. Yes, yeah, so there's a tent. And inside the tent, there are cooking stations that have been set up with all the necessary uh, equipment to perform the cooking that is being asked of the contestants. And people apply to be on this show. Yeah. And the goal is to have people, I believe, who are, um, you know, good at baking. But amateurs. But amateurs. Thank you. Very important point. And then each week they are given three challenges. At the end of each week, one person is crowned a star baker just for that week. And one person goes home. And then at the end of the entire thing, there is a winner. All right. I think it, that? that's, I think that's very good. Yeah. There are two uh, judges and oh, yes. uh, two hosts uh, who make sure that the hosts make sure that a little bit of sense of levity and of fun and comedy is coming while the contestants inevitably go through some amount of stress. The contestants themselves can be very charming. And then I think there is this push pull of you want them to succeed with the judges, but sometimes you, the viewer, can get frustrated with the judges. And I think that is a, a, a part of the the charm, possibly, mm-hmm. <laughs> debatably, discussably, discussably. That's a word. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you, since I started rambling about what the appeal or the charm of the show is for you, what is the appeal? Yeah, I, I will try. I don't know if I even know. So I just have to, <laughs> if if I may start with just going back a little bit, which sure. might be answering a later question. Go wherever you want. So we started with watching, or I started with watching the holiday one, just kind of wanted something nice and holiday-y sometime like early December. Hadn't knew about it, of course, because I exist in the world. (laughs) You're not an alien. (laughs) So I'd heard of it, but just hadn't watched it and wasn't sure if I wanted to take the time. And I was just so um, engaged by the holiday version. And then you know, here and there, every once in a while, we've kind of talked about it, like, oh, we should get into that. And there's just a day randomly of whatever else is going on. I think we both were just like, yeah, it's the right day to test to try it. And I was instantly hooked. And so um, I think what I enjoy is, and I certainly the vicarious, like, I love watching what the people are creating. Um, I, I like the idea of baking mm-hmm. much more than I like the reality of baking there's a time crunch thing because when you when in in our lives because when you make the time to bake something and pick something to bake it's always very delicious and it seems like you have fun doing it when you have the elbow room to do it yeah yeah but i think still like especially a lot of the kind of fiddly things that they're making i love the idea of it i don't think i would like the reality of okay. it that much even so if you had all the time in the world you'd just be like i don't, don't want to fuss with making a lacy pancake Lacy pancake is one actually that I would. We might be having lacy pancakes very soon here. Oh boy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it's it's really about just um, it's a way to enjoy something that it's fun to watch it without necessarily having to do it. Right. And then having to deal with the cleanup and the who's going to eat it and it was a horrible mess and you know all of, all of those things that can be stressful. Who will eat these lacy pancakes? <laughs> and we don't have a lot of counter space, so there's that whole part of it. Um, and then it's just you know they they find for the most part very charming people to be on this, which I'm sure is also part of the process. And watching, I know this is a thing that not everybody likes, but this is one of the things that I like about it is I do like how much the contestants support each other. Yes. And so it's especially if things are hard in life, it's a very nice way to be like, look, good things in the world. Yeah. (laughs) I think is a big part of it. And then, you know, the way it's set up, um, you know, with the, the judges and Mel and Sue, I just thoroughly enjoy and both. They're kind of poking at the contestants and also helping. And it just, uh, it's a 
great time. Yeah. So I think I want to dive into that because I think my resistance to watching it is that I really struggle with uh, watching competition shows. They are naturally engaging. Humans, uh, I think, uh, naturally are engaged by conflict. That's why stories have conflicts. And I'm just like, here's a picture of somebody enjoying a flower for an hour. Um, that So uh, the conflict uh, is totally understandable that that is a, a big part of the appeal. Uh, but for me, I think I, I just, I get so concerned about the amount of uh, focus on competition I think competition is great and beautiful and we should have them. We should enjoy sports. We should enjoy, uh, you know, a certain amount of reality TV shows. We should enter contests if we want. I think they're great for us to challenge ourselves as individuals. I think there's this creep in our society where the idea of competition is being applied to things that are not competitions. And it makes us harder for us to be empathetic, to be helpful if we see everything is a is a win or lose. Mm-hmm. So I've got that that's been on my mind a lot lately. And then also just kind of, um, I think for me, uh, as I've gone through my life, by the nature of what I want to do, the reality of what I want to do, creative things are often competitive. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't want to be competitive at all, people will make it a competition. For example, doing um, the Fringe Festival for years in uh, in the Twin Cities in Minnesota, um, I would want to go and have it be just about my show in terms of success, in terms of success or failure. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a good show that people came to, that people enjoyed, and I made a little bit of money and I had fun with the people I was working with. Uh, and then I wanted to be supportive of other people in the festival. Uh, but because of the nature of like online reviews, only so many people are going to get a, a review at all, or who's photo gets, uh, you know, put in the paper, it became very competitive. And there's this uncomfortable way that, in particular to me, subjective art sits with competition. And I get, it doesn't bother me to watch sports because it's just sort of like, that's the whole thing. Who mm-hmm. ran faster? That's that's it. It's always been it. Uh, but something that is beautifully subjective, like 12 people could make a cake and they could be entirely different and they can all be beautiful. To subject that to there is an objective winner is something that I always have resistance to, partially because of my own life experiences. So that was going to entirely be a barrier to me. And then I got charmed by everything else that's charming <laughs> about this. And, you know, I remember in its first burst of huge popularity, it was like, it's so peaceful. It's so nice. And I tried watching episodes like, no, it's not. They're being judged. <laughs> they're being judged for muffins what's peaceful about being judged for a muffin just enjoy a damn muffin um but then what you're saying seeing that the contestants really lift one and up one another up seeing uh the hosts sue and mel really lift up the contestants and all that stuff it balances it out i still have moments where like i want i want to scream at the television of like that you're trying to make something subjective objective stop it uh but the charm overwhelms it for me yeah and let's be honest sometimes you do scream that at the not scream it sometimes you do mutter that at the tv i mutter it with the intent of a scream it is a mutter that clearly <laughs> wants to be a scream uh yeah so sorry for that longer explanation but i really wanted to explain where i was coming from instead of just going yeah i don't, I don't like this part of it uh it has uh, all of the charm of it has overcome that, and that's partly partially why I'm so obsessed with it, is because when you suggested watching it, the you know whenever it was we started watching these, um, I just needed something nonfiction because I had so much narrative crammed in my brain, uh, and then I was surprised that I got past all of that baggage that I just talked about to enjoy the charm. Mm-hmm. But I did want to ask you. I have heard people say again and again, it's just so cozy. Do you find it cozy? Because you have some mutter screams too. Oh, I do. About things you disagree with or things that stress you out. Uh, you were even mutter screaming about a format change the other night. Oh, yes, where I they, was. Where they have a little, where one season they start having a little preview of the episode. Also known as spoilers for this episode <laughs> you're about to watch. That's a good mutter scream right there. <laughs> uh, so anyway, my question is, is it yeah. cozy to you? Um. I can understand why people would say that. I would not. That's not the word that I would use to describe it. And it's probably just more about my use of the word cozy than it is about anything else. I could see it just 
described as um, like a more, <laughs> this is so going to sound like splitting hairs, a comfy competitive show. Yeah. But to me, it, it's not cozy as like curled up with a cup of tea and a warm sweater. And it's, it's, it's more, um, there's the competition factor. We watch people cry. We watch people get upset. We watch people help each other. We watch the judges sometimes be very nice. We watch the judges sometimes be very mean. Yes. Um, I realize maybe not to the level of some other competition shows, but still very cutting remarks sometimes. Yep. Um, so to me, it does not meet the threshold of what I would call cozy. Okay. But it is, I do totally recognize, uh, just so people aren't uh, uh, mumble screaming at us, <laughs> mutter screaming at us. It is, it was a revelation when it came out because it was cozy compared to the vast majority of reality television, right? Totally. The stereotype of reality television of the, you know, to the camera, uh, testimonial, I didn't come here to make friends. I came here to win, you know, in a lot of stuff that's still popular, particularly in America, that is really cutthroat of, you know, do well or fail. And if you mm-hmm. failed, you lost, get out. Like the harsh sort of prove yourself, you know, really aggressive. Yeah. It doesn't have that at all. It has that like, even when people go home, right? It's all with it's all with hugs and I really hope they keep baking and they're great baker, but this week just went uh, got away from them. It could happen to anybody. It is very, very cozy compared to the standard. Oh, absolutely. 100% agree. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. So um, let me ask you along those lines, would you still enjoy it if it was not a competition? Like the bakers still were given challenges. The judges still gave their opinions, some of them harsh, but then no one won or lost. It was just 10 episodes of 12 people baking. Hmm. Not in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Why I, do you think that is? I think you need that edge of competition to keep it. It's not a narrative show, but you need that edge of competition to keep the story moving, to keep the stakes high. Yeah. And to keep people engaged, to keep the contestants engaged, to keep us engaged. Yeah. No, I, I, I think like as a one off here, we're just going to like videotape this baking show but i feel like that's a one season show that's not a however many seasons they're on now show yeah not a very and there's a new season coming to netflix uh as as we record uh how much of the the stakes makes so much sense to me how much of your investment in the show has become rooting or pulling for someone to either stay or go mm. you know mm, it, it's varied actually from season to season um, and that's one of the the things is right as you know, we've talked about this without microphones um, turned on, at least that you as you get, you know, you get so invested in people, but then it's only 10 episodes and then they're gone. Yeah. Uh, so certainly. And there's been some I think especially um, in a few of the seasons, there have been people who have been kind of in the up consistently in the upper middle mm-hmm. that don't necessarily get Starbaker or maybe they get it once. They're not really ever in danger of um, of being kicked off. But some weeks it feels like they've had a really good week. But because they're consistently good, they aren't getting the judge's eyes. Yeah. And there, I have I have had some mumble screams about people that I think should be getting Starbaker. Or at least be when they have the little discussion of like, oh, who's up for it? I'll, I will be like, and also, <laughs> didn't you forget about you? You just told them that you loved their cake. So, yeah. Yeah. I am not a skilled baker whatsoever, uh, but I have started to have my sort of like tactics of like, that's the way I'm engaging with the show now of how would I do it? Oh, yeah. And being like, yeah, being exactly above middle is really great for the first half of the show, at least. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you don't really have a target on your back of being the star baker. You don't have a lot of place to slip from. And then also you're pretty safe because you're not doing as bad as the people who like need to go. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. The the dance, not just of from a an aggressive who should who do I want to win. I I think that's one of the things that's really turned me around and made me enjoy it so much is there's so many things to root for. Uh, there have been some people who are really charming, but their bakes are so uh uh they they. In early episodes, they have a lot of baking failures. Mm-hmm. And then there's a part of me just like, just let them go because it's so high tension to watch them <laughs> <laughs> maybe make failures. Uh, there was one person who who uh, just had a very 
aggressive personality that I wasn't enjoying. One of the only people in all the seasons. So I was hoping that that person wouldn't win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be honest. And then there's been a couple of times of people early on who are like, you are so charming. I want you to stay for you, but there's no way you're going to survive this challenge on uh, baking terms. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to have all these different relationships, which are much more nuanced and complex than just like, who's my favorite? Who do I want to win? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. And it's for me, it's been really fun to see also how some of that changes, you know, like from as you spend more time with them of like, oh, I wasn't sure about this person, but now they've really grown on me or have gotten comfortable in the tent or comfortable in front of a camera, honestly, for some of them, um, where they just seem to be actually being themselves instead of just terrified constantly and therefore you're not getting the charm. Yeah, that was one of the things I was fascinated with in the first season that you and I watched is there were uh, several people who were great and charming, but there were two people who were just uh, titans of facial reactions. And you could (laughs) see that the editors had noticed that because every joke that Mel and Sue made, every weird thing Paul Hollywood did, they would go to one of these two people for this perfect, funny, emotional facial reaction. And one week, one of them went, the next week, the other one went. And I, I remember turning to you on the couch and like, they just screwed the editors of this show. <laughs> and sure enough, in my subjective opinion, then the next episode, Mel and Sue made a hilarious joke and they cut to a bunch of people just giving them blank stares. <laughs> <laughs> and I honestly wonder, obviously, I know that it's a baking challenge to get on the show, but I wonder how much of the decisions are made by like, we need uh, 12 people who are going to continue to give us good reaction material, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, acting is reacting, and uh, apparently so is uh, a baking competition. Is reacting <laughs> is a big part of the charm. Yeah, uh, and I feel like in the seasons that we're that have been following, it, it has been like every one of these people is interesting and would be fun to watch for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so keeping in mind that we have mostly only watched the Paul Hollywood and Mary Berry era of judging, is the judging fair? <laughs> Um, I mean, yes and no. I'm not, spoiler, I'm not there. I didn't taste the food. So, um. (laughs) That that is a big uh, caveat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I can't speak to it from that side. I mean, I think some parts of it are fair. Um, certainly if things have not been baked, have fallen apart, you know, some of those things. Yeah. Um. Not cooked through, fell over. Fair enough. Fair enough. You get, those are some relatively objective standards. Yeah. But I do think that it, it does become subjective because how, and I think how can it not be? Because I think there is, it's it's about taste. And I, I know they're both very respected for what they do and who they are and all of that. And I feel like there have been a few times where they have kind of said like, yeah, this is not really my choice, but you've done it well. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there have been more times when they don't like a flavor, but it's not necessarily that it's a bad flavor. They just don't like that flavor because they consistently don't like that flavor, even if it, one would assume, some of the time is done well. Yeah. So I think there is there is some of that. And I do feel like sometimes there are, um, one of the seasons does talk a little bit about like, oh, the teacher's pet. I feel like there are sometimes uh, people who become, not necessarily for the entire show, but for a few episodes become the teacher's pet oh really okay i sense in your body language some anger about that did you have any any bad teacher's pet experiences growing up where like you felt somebody else was was the teacher's pet and it was upsetting to you oh no i mean no i guess um no not necessarily (laughs) (laughs) i just i just because i was thinking i was like well not necessarily because then sometimes they're really hard on them but i just feel like sometimes there's I think it's it's a natural thing when you're, you know, you kind of start to see what you expect to see or start to expect something. So I just I feel like sometimes yeah. and I think sometimes it's the times when that I was talking about earlier, where like the people who are consistently second, I think sometimes should be first. But the person that they already are like, ooh, you know, this is the person who has a spotlight on them already. So we're just going to amplify the spotlight and not notice that this other person we actually gave more compliments to. And again, I'm I'm not there, so maybe right. there's other reasons. And it's edited and all it's that, but it's yeah. presented to us, and that's yeah. what we can judge on, just like they can only judge the bake in front of them. Yeah, yeah. I think the stated thing is that 
they judge week by week. It is not cumulative, right? Mm-hmm. So somebody could be star baker eight episodes in a row, and then if they have a disaster, they're gone. Yep. And that happens sometimes. But there's been other times where it feels like ye- they've had this human thing where they've decided who this baker is, and a mistake will slide a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Or uh, they'll be elevated a little bit more over somebody who maybe we as viewers you know, are mutter shouting that they did better that week. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing where I, where that, that initial fear that I talked about at the top of the podcast about the pain of making something subjective into a competition mm-hmm. uh, is about the flavors. It's mm-hmm. those moments where, like, sometimes people will be like, I'm going to put alcohol in it. And they're like, well, don't put too much because it will be too powerful. And then they taste it and like, the alcohol is drowned out every other flavor. Like, okay, well, then... That seems like kind of a standard baking thing of like, if you're going to have three flavors, balance them so they're all present. I can mm-hmm. only taste one flavor. Okay. But then there's been a few times where just like, I can't think of the exact right examples, but like, well, you just, you, you can't put uh, peanuts and cranberry together. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And they will say that in the same way, like the, the dough is raw. And like, okay, well, it's not baked. It's raw. <laughs> we can literally measure that with temperature and like with our eyes. You can't just say two flavors don't work together mm-hmm. because is is it you're baking for Paul and Mary or any of the judges or is it that you're they're supposed to judge the quality of it, whether they like the taste or not? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think that you can say, like, yeah, these flavors don't work because, um, you know, like the chili is really strong and drowns out the other flavors. Right. So, like so the balance is wrong or you know, and, and baking, I guess, is a palate thing. But there are a few. The one I was on about yesterday, if you don't mind me giving a specific. Oh, please do. Is, uh, I would if I could remember any. <laughs> is matcha. Yeah. Or matcha. And they, um, a few people have tried it. To me, it's a very specific flavor. And I think a lot of people either like it or don't. And they clearly don't like it. Um, but these people have not had the benefit of watching it in previous seasons. I think it's come up a few times, but it's been coming up a lot. And every time they're like, no. Right, right. Yeah. And it's so painful when the charming competitor is being interviewed and like, well, I'm going to use some matcha tea flavor. And we're all like, no, they'll hate <laughs> it no matter what. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Yeah. And maybe maybe it hasn't worked, but it, it's been so consistent. Uh, whereas some of the other things like lavender and rose, I feel like they say that's a really difficult flavor. I don't want to feel like I'm t- eating soap. Right. Which I think fair point. And then they're very honest and it's sometimes they really like something and sometimes they don't. So so that to me works. But yeah, the it's the the tea one that Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the ones that it is. It just feels like they don't offer anything that moves it a little bit from the uh subjective to objective. It's just I don't like this. Yeah. It's like yeah, the, this is red. <laughs> yeah. That's bad. You but know? I will give the the benefit that there's a lot of times that they're like, ooh, really? To the flavor combinations that are being proposed. Mm-hmm. And then they like them. And That's they true. come around to it. And they're like, oh, I would never have thought of this. You could tell from our words that we told you that this wasn't going to work, <laughs> that we didn't believe in you. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm struggling to remember uh, any specifics because it's really nice to watch a show like this where um, I don't have to remember specifics. <laughs> but there was, I can't remember what the actual flavor or what the bake was. Uh, but it got all teed up because Paul Hollywood was like, I love that. Uh, I used to have it all the time as a kid. I'm so excited to have it. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you what it was? Sure. It was um, It was a banana, um, or no, it was banoffee pie. Or something oh, right. Like that. But it was something yeah. like banana and banana chocolate mix, something. right? Yep. It, was, it was a banana and chocolate mix that like his mom used to make. And for people who have never seen it or not fans of it, the, the movie Ratatouille hinges on these issues of judging food and judging the subjective and this very very cruel broken uh food critic is restored to some amount of humanity uh by the main character making a food that got past all of the anger and the walls and the defense and truly reminded him of his childhood and reconnected him to the joy of the thing that he had made just sort of encrusted uh, by making it his profession encrusted with judgment Mm -hmm. uh, and the childhood joy broke through and i was as we're watching this i'm like are we is this the ratatouille episode of the bake-off and it was the (laughs) anti-ratatouille where it did not taste enough like his childhood and he threw a fit like a little 
baby person. He did to the point that I believe Mel or Sue or somebody called him on it. Like we're seeing a Paul tantrum. Oh yeah, he's like he made it. Yeah, I think it was uh, Sue who said something like he he just made a little baby noise because he's like oh, oh, and it's not the not the banana. It's not enough banana. Yeah, yeah, and it was very much like this isn't how my mom made it. Yeah, Which so was, I mean, he owned it at least. He fully owned it. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But I would say that is like obviously obviously <laughs> subjective of like your challenge is to make me feel what my mother did <laughs> go ahead bakers go for yeah. that um all right uh so let's talk about uh, uh the elephant in the room uh paul hollywood okay. uh he is obviously uh very harsh very firm uh, there's a lot of fun comedic pushback uh, on that from the hosts that it, it grows to be a part of the legend of the show where uh, different contestants are really craving that he gives him his patented handshake if he really likes something or is really impressed by something. Uh, that the bread week, he's super, super <laughs> wound up yes, <laughs> about bread. So like, it was like Mary Berry didn't exist, the most recent Bread Week episode we watched, where they just kept talking about, like, I'm just going to try to do this, and I hope Paul and, like, Mary exists too, you know. So anyway, obviously the intensity of his uh, sort of somewhat bad guy shtick on the show, which is a very standard thing for reality shows if you need the mean judge. Mm-hmm. And even here in this cozy show, we have the not always, but sometimes very harsh uh, judge. Um so my question for you with all that is, if I brought home a Paul Hollywood pinata full of baked goods, would you smack it open? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. I, we've never talked about this. I, You know, pinatas are fun. <laughs> and if there's baked goods, especially ones that I want to eat that are fresh and delicious inside, yeah, yeah. absolutely. What if I told you there are no baked goods in there? I just wanted to work through some of my feelings by gently whacking this Paul Hollywood pinata. I would be fine with you doing that. I don't know <laughs> would that you I join would me? to. I mean, maybe. <laughs> okay, this is a very colorful way to ask you your feelings <laughs> about Paul Hollywood. How much, uh, obviously, it, it, he is meant to be a judge and he is meant mm-hmm. to be harsh. And there's be- definitely been some moments where he has comforted people. Um, yep. that we've seen recently uh, when they're when they're really having a hard time. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he doesn't take it too far. But the other times where he, he does seem to like give them a very difficult challenge in the technical challenge in particular, withhold vital information and then seem to really enjoy telling them how they screwed up. Mm-hmm. And I think the harsh judging, the slightly mean tone, the I am uh, the god of bread. I'm all that's entertaining. All that's fine. It crosses a slight line for me when it feels like a game where, like, I've picked an incredibly obscure thing that most of them probably haven't even heard of. There's one secret trick to making it turn out right. I've withheld it from them so then I can have the joy of telling them how they bleeped up. Mm-hmm. That just starts to cross a line into. Um, Maybe pinata territory for me. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely understand where you're coming from. I think I I certainly have my, my mutter scream moments, mumble scream, uh, especially when he, for the technical, when he is explaining to Mary Berry about the challenge and why it's so difficult and the glee that he shows and like this is gonna be hard they're not gonna get it but at the same time i also feel like eh, it's it's part of the setup and it's it's still baking yeah um so i think for me it it's like it's on the line but it doesn't go too far over the line yeah i think for me it is right on the line it is good entertainment and but this is where my issues and why i wanted to really make clear at the top where i'm coming from mm-hmm. i think competitions are great if you embrace them as when you're a competitor is I have set a challenge for myself. I want to be given difficult challenges and I want to strive to uh, reach these goals and achieve them. And there's something about the withholding vital information that makes it not about the baker's skill or their intuition. Every once in a while it is like, yeah, they could take an educated guess and they could figure that out. Other times it's just like, like we just watched yeah. one where the, the trick was uh, don't open 
the fryer and check on the thing mm-hmm. or don't open the lid and check on the thing, which is an incredibly natural thing for a baker to do. And to me, just like part of the vital information. So there's some of them that make it feel to me like you've been told you've come here to race a car. And when you get into the car, the engine has been taken apart. And it's like, are we, are, are you being challenged on putting the engine back together? Or are you being challenged to race the car? Because that's what you're told here to do. And it feels it feels tricksy and mean. It it does. And I, I yes, <laughs> you've convinced me. <laughs> Sorry, but this is subjective as well. It is. So it maybe is. I'm I, I'm totally I could be totally alone in this. No, no. I mean, I and, you know, I I get very upset at some of them. The, the one about like you can't lift the lid because that will ruin them. But also you can't. You need to know when they're done, and you can't know when they're done unless you look at them. And to me, it's almost more the glee at like, well, you didn't do this. You mm-hmm. didn't know how to do this. Um, and I both I understand where they're coming from of trying to use the technical to be like, okay, what do you understand about the baking process? Yeah. And I feel like some of the challenges, even like they never give enough information. They never say at what temperature to cook it. Right. Or Mary Berry doesn't give that. enough like, information. That's a, that's a part of the challenge. That's part of it. But I feel like some of them it still works. And some of them, you know, and, and not necessarily everybody's turns out and, you know, fun, laughter, tears, crying, all of all of this happens. Yeah. But I do feel like that there are a few that we've watched that do cross over that edge where it is. And in particular for me, it's about the judging of the technical. It's, it's that glee in the conversation with Mary Berry, but then it's also about the judging and how harsh um, either of them can be about basic steps that have been missed that were not communicated right and I, I think that's kind of what you're saying and to me it's it's in that it's it's not necessarily even the like we didn't tell you because it's like okay is this a puzzle challenge in the middle of the baking <laughs> challenge but it's the like haha you didn't know it's it's like when you have um sorry i don't know why i'm not actually finishing my sentence when you have a like a mystery novel and at the last minute, they're like, ha but clearly it's this person that you've never heard of because here's a clue that you've never been told. Why didn't you figure it out, reader? And it's kind of like yes. that idea of like, and there's such, um, and there can sometimes be such um, delight when somebody does get it right, but really kind of a, see, didn't you really mess up and don't you feel bad about yourself right now? That's what it is. That's what it is exactly because it's the difference in being tested in the skills that you should reasonably have and removing a basic tool that you need to do the thing. Yeah. So it'd be, uh, this is, we're just metaphor center <laughs> now, right? But if it was fixing something and you withheld the only tool, yeah, you know, an absolutely vital tool, and then turned around and told the person like, well, you screwed up because you didn't use a hydro spanner. And like, you did not give me a hydro spanner. Mm-hmm. And so it just feels like a slightly different competition. Yeah. I, I'm happy that the show isn't, uh, is just a, you you win and it's joyful and you you have a nice uh, picnic party festival with uh, all the uh, family and contestants. I love that it's that. I'm glad it's not. And then you'll get a job at, at this patisserie. Right. But I feel sometimes like where the technical challenges are coming from is like, if you want to be a professional baker, you're going to run into crap like this. You're mm-hmm. going to have not enough directions. It's going to not enough time and it's going to need to be perfect. So it almost feels like they're challenging them more on the job of being a professional yeah. than being an amateur baker. And I think that's the other thing about it to me is like Ooh. if it was framed differently, if it was framed like these are horror scenarios that we've run into in our career and we're going to see how you do with them, then it would feel a little bit more like fair or like something different is being tested than just here's how to bake something. Whoops, we didn't tell you one of the most important things about it. Yeah, like maybe if there were something kind of like your example, like, okay, you need to make this thing. Normally you would make it in the oven. You can't use the oven. Find another way to do it. Or, you know, or like, yeah, have, like, if it was the point is find missing. a creative solution. Yeah, that, that would be a really, int- I would love that if they would do that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got excited and interrupted you. Oh, I apologize. No, no, we were, we were explain, expl- explaining, exclaiming <laughs> about the explanation. Um, yeah, I think that would be a really fun, different approach yeah. to the technical or like an ingredient is missing and you have to substitute with what you have. Like, you know, I wonder if part of it is that without having you know the um the signature bake the technical bake and then the showstopper both the signature and the showstopper are much more um 
fall more into the the comfy part of the competition, the cozy yeah. part. So I wonder if they're just like, nope, we're just going to cram. We need to have this kind of high stakes, steely eyes of Paul Hollywood. <laughs> like we need to have something that has that. So rather than have it in all three, which it's there a little bit, we're going to kind of concentrate it. We're going to boil it down like a syrup that we're going to put on top of our <laughs> baked good. A stress syrup that <laughs> yeah, is exactly. full of matcha tea. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and we're just going to put it right here in the middle. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. It is. Uh, I have no criticism of it as entertainment. It is. <laughs> well, I guess I do because it frustrates me. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, how much of the show's power do you think comes from the host? Again, uh, in the era that we're watching, it is uh, Mel and Sue. We have seen some of those holiday uh, episodes with the later hosts, and we're looking forward to seeing even more. But right now, you and I are mostly approaching this from uh, Mel and Sue, the, mm-hmm. the OGs. Uh, how much of the power of the show is those hosts? Oh, well, I think um, a lot of the flavor. Mm. Um, and I feel like... <laughs> in a baking show, fairly baking important. Show, right? Like the unique complementary flavors, mm-hmm. whatever they may be. And I feel like they're a very important flavor. And I feel like without having that role there, the show would not be like remotely as interesting. Yeah, I think they contribute a lot to the let's let some of the tension out of the room mm-hmm. because it is the the light fun yeah. introductions, the kind of reminder to be like, if something goes wrong, it's okay. You know, you're baking a pie. <laughs> you're not disarming a nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Like their general sense of levity does that. But then they're that presence that's like, we're officially a part of the show. We're as official as the judges and we aren't all you know, doom and gloom and must and you screwed up, we are here to just be kind of like gentle and say, it's okay. And if you need help, here we are. And like they jump in and literally help like you talked about. Mm-hmm. So all of that energy, I think, is one of the things that really makes it so a show that is still competitive with stakes where people cry <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, adds so much to the cozy factor. Yeah, absolutely. And also that they are, they will be the, you know, like the taskmaster. They frequently come up to people at least in the season we're watching of like um you're only there don't, don't you need to watch the clock a little bit because you really do only have like you've got five minutes you I'm only have five right now yeah. that's coming out of the oven now <laughs> <laughs> yes they have been in this season getting yeah. a little bit more like i'm going to help you yeah by telling you you should take that out now let's be realistic yeah um the other thing for me that just the the dime dropped in as a comedy nerd i've really in been enjoying watching them from this filter that they are classic court jesters. Um, Mm -hmm. Paul and Mary, the judges, but Paul in particular being these sort of uh, controlling, officious, you know, figure of authority that can't be questioned. And like the contestants do uh, question him Mm -hmm. sometimes and and push back in fun ways. Uh, But the fact that so many of Mel and Sue's jokes are just classic uh, the fools undercutting the pompous king and letting some hot air out of the bag is just fascinating. Like, there's a lot about this show that is, uh, you know, Great British in the, is in the title, uh, the bakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, what they bake is very traditionally British. Uh, the way that Paul and Mary's opinions about how things should be baked are very traditionally British. And a lot of times they're saying, like, we want you to make a traditionally British blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there's something about that sort of um, model of like the the not that it doesn't happen in many other cultures, but like the king and the foolish clown figure who is the only one that's allowed to go. The king's being a jackass today <laughs> is a really fascinating dynamic to watch in this very, very, you know, modern show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to yeah. kind of feel that energy. Yeah, it was such a... Um such a great um perspective when you brought up your theory about it to me um pointed it out yeah yeah because i i completely agree i would not have thought of it but it that is the role and it works so well yeah for the viewer it's like catharsis because sometimes we're all Mm -hmm. have gotten really frustrated by something he said or that he was too harsh in my opinion on somebody for them to then come around and kind of poke some fun at him is catharsis for me uh and then also i think it just you know that's a lot of that the theory of the sort of the 
what what comedy is for is you know the punching up not punching down really meaning let's question the things that have so much power that they couldn't otherwise be questioned unless they're questioned in this specific package uh and part of that questioning and part of that punching up is to bring everyone back down to the same field of we are all humans mm-hmm. and it it really successfully and i would imagine for the contestants too if they're getting all all tied up about oh i i picked this flavor and he i know he hates it or i picked this flavor and it's his favorite ever and they're deifying him without even being conscious of it by just a, a little joke about you know how intense his hair is suddenly he's human again suddenly he's not this all powerful being he's just a guy who has some strong opinions about banana flavors because his mom used to give him banana crap, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. it makes him human again. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, any other thoughts on the power of the hosts? Um, no, I think we've covered Excellent. it. Excellent. Uh, what makes you root for a specific contestant or not? Ooh, um, a variety of things. If they, what they're making, you know, I, I, the contestants I root for, I do need them to be doing well. So <laughs> oh, you don't root for slackers, huh? I mean, I need them to be trying at least. I, yeah. If, we all have ups and downs. We as though I'm one of them. There was one, I believe, uh, older Scottish gentleman who was just sort of like, I'm making things the way I want to make them. And I, he was really charming. I really enjoyed it. And I also knew like, you're not going to last because he was quite defiant. He was very defiant. Um, and a few of them didn't turn out as well as he had hoped either. He That's was a true. bit disappointed. Um, yeah, I think it's a combination of... Um, the bakes themselves, if they're turning out, if they're what the people's kind of energy and vibe seems to be, what they're coming up with, honestly, is a lot of it because they do get to do these creations for these signatures and showstoppers. And so a lot of times it'll be whether it's about the flavors or about the inventiveness or the shapes or pushing back and like, whatever, I'm going to do the things that we would do you know, in different cultures. And, you know, there's, a, I feel like a variety of reasons that make me vote for somebody or be pushing for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're for me, like they're just the people you gravitate toward because mm-hmm. there's, they're charming. You know, I know there was, there was one person also that in one of the seasons we watched is like, Oh, you're so charming. I don't think you're going to make it. And I just, <laughs> I treasured every second of that uh, competitor, that baker. I think the, the people who are clearly skilled, like you can tell, right away because some of their early bakes go really really well mm-hmm. but are a little down on themselves that mm-hmm. then becomes like think what is beautiful about competition of that like if you can get away from all of any naysayers that you might have in your life or even push past the internal naysaying that we all do and really strive to achieve something that's ah, so it's so glorious and it gives you uh, it's such a great like just absolute like uh end of a sports movie hooray mm-hmm. <laughs> we did it kind of vibe yeah yeah absolutely and it's yeah i th- I think what you you just referred to this and so sorry if i'm repeating but the both getting to watch the growth of the um the individuals but also for the people who really i feel like they don't it isn't clear maybe it's just because there's so many people at the beginning but they really, you get to hear them be like, oh, well, this, I've, n- I've never made this, but this what reacts with this this way, and maybe this would be how you do it. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But when you really get that chance of being inside somebody's head about why the things they're doing are working, I really enjoy that side of it, too. Yeah, absolutely. And great facial reactions. Definitely. That is just an absolute necessity. And I, I have no <laughs> idea how they do the testing. If it's like, send us your baked goods and uh, film yourself uh, reacting to random jokes yeah right (laughs) um if you could have a drink with the hosts or judges that we have watched so far uh who would you have a drink with and what would you ask them about Ooh, and just one yeah sure of the hosts or the judges yeah Ooh. um gosh oh that i think sorry it's a hard question (laughs) goodness um well i'm gonna go with the one that came into my head first which was mary berry okay and what would you drink with her well, ooh, I feel like a nice, a nice cordial. <laughs> um, no, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back. I feel like uh, I would like to have um, you know like a good gin and tonic with. Oh, a nice gin and tonic, yeah, yeah nice, yeah. nice classic G and T. And uh, what would you what would you want to chit chat with her about? I don't know. 
<laughs> so a nice quiet gin and tonic uh, no no i would come very... up with topics ahead of time um that's what but i think um yeah well let me ask some do you want me to ask some follow-up questions sure did why do you think she came to mind is there something that you are intrigued by about her past or her approach to the bake-off or uh is this just your your natural historian's instinct and she is older and you <laughs> want to hear her her perspective on things? Yeah, I don't think it's even from the historian side. I think I do um often enjoy hearing like from women who are older than me what their perspective is. Mm. And so I think there is a little bit of that. It was also that I couldn't decide between Mel and Sue. <laughs> um and Paul Hollywood be scary <laughs> um and i'm i'm very intrigued by mary berry and i don't have the relationship with her that a lot of these bakers clearly do of knowing who she is and having that like oh my gosh like she's gonna eat something that i made um you know i would love to you know have a cup of tea with her and talk about a book we both read like honestly i'd love to talk with her about something not baking related, nice or talk nice. about like gardening or her favorite you know place to visit or something like that okay maybe a little cozy mystery book club with mary berry and gin and tonics hey i'm all for it i'm here <laughs> that sounds nice uh i'm tempted to say i would actually uh, i would enjoy having a beer with uh paul hollywood he mm-hmm. talked about one of the contestants recently who left is like we'll stay in touch i'll have a beer with him mm-hmm. he's like did the person request having beer with you? <laughs> uh, but he, you, you see the those moments of humanity where it feels like this is uh, part of this is he he thinks he's he's being a great you know cranky judge. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a part of me that wants to say, oh, just have a beer and and see the the human side. And then there's a part of me was like wants to have a beer and then direct the conversation into something that I know a lot about that maybe he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> And see how he handles it. And then you're going to poke the center and see if it's soft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, or Mel. Uh, Sue and Mel are both really, really funny, but I'm just very, very fascinated by their dynamic. I have no judgment. They they work as a team really, really well together. Uh, um, Sue often just has a little bit more like edge and punch of like, I'm going to get that laugh. Mm-hmm. And Mel sometimes kind of throws things over her shoulder a little bit of like, I think it's funny. If you laugh, great. And um, it's a very fine distinction and very subjective to me. And I'm just kind of fascinated by it because at different points in my career working with different people, I've been the person who's like, I'm going to punch hard and I'm going to get that joke. I'm going to go for the jugular. And in other situations, I've been like, I'm going to lightly throw it over my shoulder. I'm not going to press too hard. And if it gets a laugh, it'll maybe even be funnier because I lightly threw it over my shoulder. Mm -hmm. I don't think either are like better it's just a slight difference in style that I really enjoy uh, watching. And like I said, I think they work together great as a duo. But I'm I'm really curious to see. I would be curious to just like talk with Mel about her approach to comedy or philosophy of comedy. Mm-hmm. While also having gin and tonics. I'm going to steal yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> we'll share. Uh, yeah. Would you want to be on an American version of the show? Um. Goodness, no. <laughs> well, I, I mean, and here's why. is like I just the sheer baking ability uh i would i would never ever be considered okay um and and that's that's why like it's it's not about like oh i wouldn't want to do that or oh i don't think i'm good enough i just truly like don't understand baking enough and don't enjoy it enough okay fair enough i think you're a very good and very inventive uh cook i hear what you are saying that you don't want to do it but i'm just saying uh when i imagine it i think you come up with you would come up with inventive things that would surprise the judges. You would be that person who, like, <laughs> you you tested this part of it, but you didn't test that part of it, and you're gonna randomly try that flavor because you just decided to earlier today. Yeah. Good luck with that. You would get a lot of good luck with that. Yes, I would. And then you would get some absolute <laughs> huge surprises where you're like, well, damn, that turned out amazing because your experimentations often turn out very amazing. Mm-hmm. And thank you. The facial reactions you'd be off the chart good <laughs> off the chart good at that thank you would you want to be on it uh no no i will say very quickly here's my baking experience i uh, worked at a place called mill city museum in minneapolis which is a museum built inside the ruins of the washburn a flour mill uh, which is a company that eventually grew into being general mills it is one of the 
physical birthplaces of General Mills. Uh, so a part of that museum, as you know, uh, it's there's many things that highlight the history of the actual building, St. Anthony Falls, uh, the, the water power that they got from St. Anthony Falls outside, the history of Minneapolis, all sorts of things. But one of the things that they really wanted to highlight the history of is test kitchens. Uh, so there is a kitchen uh, built into the museum with glass on all sides and an island in the middle. Uh, and what they wanted the um, interpreters, as we're called, uh, as many what people normally call tour guides are often called interpreters by the actual job because they interpret history. Um, so we were asked to kind of just be in there for an hour on, on our shift and ask or answer any questions, a couple little displays we could talk about, but then just make stuff. Uh, and part of it was really great because there were resources everywhere to ask for help. Uh, there was all the supplies and tools that you needed. Counter space galore. Uh, so I enjoyed that part of it. What I despised is that I was surrounded on all sides by glass and I did not know what I was doing. Uh, I could make some tasty loaves of bread. I could not shape them to save my soul. They all came out looking like gargoyles that had been run over in traffic. They were <laughs> horrific to look at. And some of the times I would like, I would be able to do whatever I needed to do, but I wouldn't be doing it in a way that looked even remotely correct or professional. And the people would gather around, and some of them, the people who were, you know, some of the audience that was drawn to this museum uh, were older people who had been baking for their entire lives. And I became like they were watching, like, you know, a chimpanzee try to oil paint, and they would stand. <laughs> <laughs> at the window and they would literally point and laugh it was oh, no. so triggering oh. and i'd be like i will i will love to bake if there's not many people in the museum but if there are like a, you know a, if there's going to be a window full of 40 lifetime bakers pointing and laughing at me eh, not my cup of tea yeah so that is a long way to say no i would not want to be on this show yeah yeah i i totally understand and i think that's part of it too i you remind me of one of, I really liked, it was just an offhand comment that one of the bakers made, I think one of the younger bakers, for one of the challenges where they were not given some sort of, um, like, a piping bag. And she just said, like, oh, I can just imagine all the, like, uh, women all over Britain who've been baking their entire lives of, like, what? How is she on the show? She can't even make a piping bag without <laughs> buying one. And there is that, like, I'm sure there is that pressure also of, um yeah like of all the people tapping on the window and laughing yeah and i mean they didn't mean anything by it no. but you know it's Most somebody who who grew grew up uh experiencing some of the very stereotypical nerdy bullying you know there's a reason i like being a comedian and getting laughs when i choose to <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to i'm trying to do my job yeah yeah fair enough <laughs> yeah laughs when you want them are great that's what I'm saying. Uh, final question here for you on our main topic. If someone created a baked dish named after you, what would you want it to be? Ooh, that's so exciting and yet spooky it became. <laughs> um, okay, so it's going to be um, savory, I think. Ooh, nice. With some interesting um, flavor combinations. Nice. Something uh, something herbal or herbal. We're going to go with the, the British pronunciation. Um maybe some dill or something in there um i think a nice sauce or maybe a dipping sauce or something that goes over it that's a a non-baked item yeah yeah it, that's not remotely specific i'm sorry yeah well a savory uh savory with herby you know i like i like the twisty things so it's it, i want something that has some element of like twisting or shaping or sculpting do you want like a large savory pretzel <laughs> i mean to eat yes right now please fair also enough. always always fair enough i will always remember that yeah i think i would want some sort of uh combination of like uh, a cherry donut uh with chocolate that you have to build in a tower and then you can pour liquor through how about that <laughs> easy challenge perfect <laughs> and that'll be the joseph all right. What kind of noise can you make to sum up your interest in the Great British Bake Off? 
<laughs> is that uh, you being surprised by something the way something turns out? It's so many things. It's oh, did it, it did it turn out okay? It's oh, did I almost knock that over? It's oh, did my dough rise? It's oh, I brought it all up and I did well and I won or oh, I left. That is such a great noise because I know because I've seen it on social media every once in a while that I know every once in a while when they bring up an elaborate tall thing that it falls in every episode we watch. I watch with a little tension in my soul of, is this one of the episodes where somebody drops their big thing? So much. So much tension. <laughs> uh, how would you rate your obsession on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest? Uh, of course, this is not a new life goal for us. This is a show that we're watching at night and really enjoying. But with that in mind, where would you say your obsession rating is? Mm, at the moment with this version of the show that we've been watching, I would say I'm probably in the like seven and a half verging on eight. It's pretty, it seems pretty high for you because yeah. a couple of times, you know, we've generally been watching it, alternating it with other things. Uh, and it, there's been one or two nights where I'm like, uh, so we could watch this or this. I'm kind of thinking maybe the baking show. And you'd be like, yeah, yes. <laughs> I've been thinking about it all day. Yes. (laughs) And there's an extra level of intensity from you of like, yes, that's what we are watching tonight. (laughs) It's I was going to say it is because it's usually because I've been thinking about it like, okay, and then tonight I get to watch a baking episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that to me is part of the reason that I wanted to do this episode because it's got the hooks in on that level where you're just sort of like, yeah, but I want more. Yeah. I've been thinking about it all day, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a it's a nice place to be. It is in obsession levels. It is. I yeah. agree. Where yeah. are you? Did you I, answer? Uh, like a, a six or a seven? Like I'm really, really, really enjoying it. Um, and it, but but I don't think it is ever going to grow beyond. It's a show I like to watch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I it will go back down to like a three later. But yeah. right now, while we're in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. In some episodes, if you ask me in the middle of the episode how obsessed with you, I'd be like, 10. <laughs> <laughs> the dial is breaking because there'll be something I care about so much, a particular bake or a particular contestant or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. We're going to move on to our plug-in section. Where would you like people to find you on the old internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw. Excellent. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on upcoming shows, comedy albums, TV shows I've written for, all that kind of stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. Final questions. Mm -hmm. If you could do anything... On a train, what would you want to do on a train? Oh, wow. I mean, gosh. It's a very open-ended question. It is. It is. I mean, read. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> but you, that's your honest answer. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, that I would love to. Dance, honestly. Okay. Yeah, so may I share a story? Please do. And if anybody knows what this is, I would love to find out. So if here's what I would actually love okay is a train that that does not have people who have not signed up for this on the train car no surprising train passengers with dance exactly so there's like so you have a dance going on many many years ago i saw a short dance film that was dancers on a train and it was one of the first like site specific dance specific like probably i don't know five ten minutes long it was short maybe it was longer um that i seen and it just kind of blew my mind and i've never been able to find it since so if anybody knows what I'm talking about, send me a link. Um, but because of that, I think I've always had that, like, what would that be like yeah. to, to dance on a train? Yeah. Well, it's moving. Yeah. Yeah. So you have one movement going already, and then you have a big flowing uh, dance going on in a relatively confined space. Huh? Right? <laughs> it would be so fun. And the challenge is to entertain the audience without accidentally hitting them. Yeah, well, and they wouldn't be in all the seats because you want some seats you can like go under and go over as well as being in the aisles. This is amazing. Yeah. Oh, I I have apparently thought about this a lot. (laughs) This is a viral video waiting to happen of of you doing this. Not surprising people, but yeah. Okay. Dancing on a train. Looking forward to doing that episode of Obsessed. If you could change the color of something in the physical world, what would you change into what color? What a great question. Wow. Um... Gosh, uh, um, I'm really having a hard time because everything that I'm thinking of comes in multiple colors. It's going to be like Greenpeace. I'm like, no, sometimes you can get peas that are uh, or like string beans is what I meant. You can okay. get ones that are purple. Um, <laughs> well, what is something that you like? Let's start there. 
<laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I want I want to change the color of broccoli. Broccoli? Okay, yeah, you like broccoli. I do. Obviously, healthy, uh, you know, vibrant green is good. Uh-huh. But what color would you want broccoli to be? So, and I know that broccoli comes in multiple colors. So maybe it already comes in this color. Um, I want broccoli to come in like a bright fuchsia. Oh wow! What what would that communicate to you about broccoli? That it is exciting, and. Um, has a lot of different nutrients in it than the other green vegetables that you're eating. Okay. And maybe, um, is broccoli one of the ones that's good for your eyes? No, that's carrots. But if it's bright red, like fuchsia, then maybe it gives you laser vision. Yeah, I like this. It's like the different colored broccolis are like the different colors of kryptonite (laughs) that affect Superman and Supergirl differently. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I want special powers with my eyes by eating fuchsia broccoli. I want fuchsia broccoli that gives me laser eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Come on. That's a no-brainer. All right. Final question is always is what is happiness? Happiness is sitting down with a cup of tea and watching some good bakes on the telly yeah and then maybe a gin and tonic too (laughs) (laughs) as long as it's uh watching some baking on the telly thank you very much uh for discussing 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 your obsession uh with the great british bake-off with me here today thank you all for listening that is our podcast You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Okay, one thing I wanted to be sure to ask you about is how do you feel that this is a show that popularized the fear of having a soggy bottom? (laughs) Uh, I accept this. You accept that fear? Are you walking through your day fearing that something somewhere will have a soggy bottom? Oh, I mean, I guess I meant I accept that this is the show that caused it. Oh, okay, I can think enough. of a lot of worse shows to have caused that fear. <laughs> so if it's like rank the shows to have caused the fear, cause and effect, I accept this cause of that effect. I'm very, very glad that I'm not afraid of whatever the Breaking Bad version is of soggy <laughs> bottoms for sure. <laughs>